Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job shows how God can transform a shattered heart. You see, once God has touched your life, once you've tasted of the grace of God and experienced the Word of God, hey, you can try to go back to who you were. You can try to act like it never happened. You can try to go back to this scenario you were involved in before, but it's never going to be the same. Welcome to Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Well, failure isn't usually a fun subject, but the truth is we've all had failures in our lives. Today, we're going to learn from one of Jesus' closest friends about what it means to fail repeatedly, but also how to turn away from those potentially life-defining failures. And Mark, hit the reset button. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this right now and you feel like a spiritual failure, or maybe you feel like you failed in your marriage or in your family or in other places and you're just dogged by this sense of failure, I want you to know that some of the greatest leaders in history, including the Apostle Peter, felt at one time like he was the greatest failure. Hmm. And God loves to step into those moments of failure where we're just feeling low or those shattered times and... um Turn them around for his good. So you need to hear this message. Yeah, maybe you've been there. The message is called Jesus Encounters a Shattered Heart. Every person in this auditorium knows about failure. Uh, we've all experienced failure to one degree or another. Uh, we don't win every soccer game. Uh, we don't win any, every baseball game. You don't win all of them. And some of us have experienced greater failures than that, and every single one of us understand the sharp, lashing pain of failure because all of us has failed at one thing or another. Maybe you failed a test before. When I was uh, 15 and a half, I took my first driver's license test, and I failed it. I almost killed me and the driving instructor. After he got out of the car shaking and sweating, he said, you didn't pass. Uh, some of you uh, dropped out of school because your grades weren't that good. Uh, some of you have bigger issues here. Uh, some of you have reeled from the pain and difficulty of a divorce, and you look at that chapter of your life and you consider it a failure. Some of you have started businesses and they've gone bankrupt, and you look at it and you feel like, I failed at that. And all of us fail in one way or another, and the question is not, have we failed? The question is, what do we do with our failures? If you say, well, I, I want to never fail, then you'll never live, because everybody that lives fails. And if you don't risk, you'll never fail. But everybody that's going to accomplish something for God, do something, change, get out, grow, is always going to risk failure. But the big question I have for you today is what do you do when you fail? Well, John chapter 1 is really about that. It's, an, it's about an encounter that Jesus had with one of the most famous apostles. His name was Peter. And let me give you the setting of John chapter 21. Jesus had already died on the cross. He'd been buried. 
He'd resurrected and he was still on earth. Uh, the apostles weren't walking with Jesus anymore. They would see him occasionally. Jesus would appear to them, but then he'd disappear. So it was a time of confusion for the disciples that had followed Jesus. No longer was Jesus hanging out with them, eating with them every day. Now he would show up and then disappear. And they were a bit confused about their role and a bit confused about what was the next stage of life. And it says in verse 1, After Jesus appeared to get again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, uh, the Sea of Tiberias is another way. It's what the Romans called the Sea of Galilee. So it's the same sea. Tiberius and the Sea of Galilee are the same. It happened this way. Simon Peter, uh, Thomas, remember doubting Thomas, and Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Do you remember when Jesus walked the earth, he had 12 disciples, and those 12 disciples formed his inner core. One of those disciples hung himself after uh, Jesus' death on the cross, and that was Judas, so they were left with 11 disciples at this stage. Out of those 11 disciples, seven of those disciples had decided we're going to hang out together, and Simon Peter was sort of the leader of that clan, and it says that Simon Peter said, I'm going to fish. Now, he wasn't fishing just to take his mind off the busyness of life. How many of you are fishermen here this morning? You like to go out and fish once in a while. All right. Anival, you're about the only one. Anybody else fishing here? Okay, we have a few fishermen and women. This wasn't recreational fishing. This was professional fishing. Do you remember that Peter had been called, and when he was called by Jesus, that was his job. This guy knew the sea. He knew fish, and he knew nets, and he knew boats, and he knew the weather. He knew where the fishing spots were. He made his living off of this, and probably his parents and grandparents had made their living off of fishing as well. So he decides to go to what is most familiar with them. He decides to go back to fishing. Uh, Simon said, uh, and the other disciples said, we'll go with you. So they went out, and they got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. You know, it's amazing. Uh, do you remember that when Simon Peter, uh, Peter was the guy that was impulsive. He was the guy that when he saw Jesus walking on the water, uh, he said, Jesus asked me to come, and he jumped out of the boat and walked on the water. Uh, Peter was the one that said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Uh, but he also said, hey, you shouldn't go to the cross. Uh, he was a guy that whose mouth was shaped like a shoe because he always put his shoe in his mouth. Uh, he was impulsive, a little bit reckless, but he had a great heart for God. But he was also the one that just before Jesus was betrayed, Jesus had predicted that the disciples were going to abandon him. And he said, you're going to walk away from me. And do you remember what uh, Simon Peter said? Uh, Simon Peter said, hey, although all these leave you, hey, I won't leave you. I mean, I'm not like the rest of these guys. They're a little shallow, a little half-hearted. Not me. I mean, I'm hardcore. I, I'm, I'm in there for good. I will never walk away from you. 
And when Jesus was betrayed, do you remember that Jesus said, Simon, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And sure enough, after Jesus was arrested, all the disciples scattered, and Simon Peter also ran away. And as he gathered around the campfire, people said, hey, I thought you were with Jesus. And Peter said, no, Jesus who? Who's that guy? Jesus, not me. And someone else came up and said, hey, weren't you from Galilee? Aren't you one of those radical disciples of Jesus? Hey, I I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And then the third time when someone confronted him, Peter even got worse. And he swore and said, I have nothing to do with that man. And just about that time, the rooster crowed. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I mean, for all practical purpose, you could say Peter really, really messed up. I mean, when it really counted, this was the hour when Peter could have shined. I mean, this is the hour when he could have stood up and said, I am a follower of Jesus, although no one else claims to be, I will. But instead, he denied Christ three times and walked away. I mean, he'd blown it big time. And although he had seen Jesus after the resurrection, they hadn't talked about their failure. He hadn't dealt with it, but he was living with this failure. And how many of you know that sometimes when we fail at one thing, we decide to leave that and try something else or go back to what we know how to do best? Right? I mean, some of you were soccer players and you decide, you know, I'm going to do golf. And you went out and after sort of almost breaking a few car windows and really doing you said, you know, I think I'm going back to soccer. Uh, some of you are carpenters by trade and you decided, you know what, I think I'm going to try computers for a little while. I don't have to get my hands dirty that much. It's a little bit less strenuous of a job. And you took some classes and you did a few things. And after getting totally confused, you said, you know what, I think I'm going back to carpentry. Because typically, when we try something and it doesn't work out or we feel like we failed at something, we typically go back to the thing that we used to do that we knew how to do pretty well. That's exactly what's happening to Peter. God had called Peter to be a spiritual leader, but after his miserable spiritual failure, we find Peter, after three years of preaching and praying for people and casting out evil spirits and healing people after all this ministry, three years of walking with Jesus, now Peter is back to fishing. Why? Because he felt like, I failed at that. I'm going back to what I know how to do best. Oh, some of you have done it in this auditorium. You said, hey, I'm going to... I want God to use me. And you decided, I'm going to lead a home group, baby. And you started a home group, and boy, was it tough. And it was harder than what you thought. And and, and it didn't work out. And you walked away feeling like, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so now, instead of doing any ministry, you say, I'm just going to work a lot of overtime. Because you know what, I know how to do that. That's what I do best. I'm going to sort of shelve that ministry thing because I'm not very good at it. I don't think I want to try it. Uh, Peter was that way. 
I think Peter was thinking, I'm not going to preach anymore, evangelize anymore. I'm not going to try to change anybody anymore because I really inside, I'm a failure. Really, what was I thinking? I mean, really, was I thinking that I really was going to follow Jesus and really do something for the kingdom? I mean, what was I thinking? Really, I'm just a fisherman. I'm a fisherman, my brother's a fisherman, my dad's a fisherman, I know fish. What was I thinking to think that I could walk with Jesus? And what was I thinking that I could really minister and preach and that people would listen? I mean, look at me, really. I'm a miserable failure at that. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to go back to what I know how to do. I'm going to take those dreams out of my mind. I'm going to set that aside because really I'm going back to fishing. You see, failure will do that to us sometimes. Failure will make us run away from the very things that God has called us to, to go to that which we think we're more secure in, because failure hurts. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job here on Bold Steps. We will continue our message in just a moment, but right now, I want to remind you that you can always find these daily teachings and catch up on anything you miss on the radio by simply subscribing to the Bold Steps podcast. Just open up the podcast app on your phone or smart device and search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, or simply visit our website for instructions at boldstepsradio.org. While you're on that website, we also encourage you to share with us any questions about faith or the Bible that you'd like Mark to answer. We take time to read all of the comments, messages, and questions we receive from listeners, and occasionally Mark will respond right here on the radio. So to share your own faith question with Mark, go to boldstepsradio.org and simply click on the tab labeled Ask a Question. Now let's jump back into Mark's message for today titled, Jesus Encounters a Shattered Heart. Have you ever played video games before? The nice thing about a video game, especially if you're like racing a car in a video game, the nice thing is that when you hit someone head on and you flip in that video game, you don't have to repair the car afterwards, you don't have to pay the insurance bill, and you don't have a sore neck either. And if your car's a wreck, all you have to do is one simple thing, push the reset button. Isn't the reset button great? I mean, a video game, if you're losing and things are going really bad and you're about to totally blow it on a video game, all you have to do is set reset and you're back to a fresh start. It's almost as though your past doesn't exist. You're starting all new. Your power's there. You have no history. Boy, a lot of us say, I wish I had a reset button in my life. I'd really like to be able to press it at times and start all over. Well, God does have a reset button And if we want to reset our lives and start all over, I experience reset in my life when I stop running from my life-defining failures and instead I run towards Jesus. You see, I believe that Peter had been running for a while, not facing his issues. He had failed and he had run. But I want you to notice what happens here. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. 
You see, here's what I want you to understand. Even if you failed big time at your marriage or big time at a business or big time at your education or big time at ministry or whatever it may be, that sometimes in our failure we feel like God has abandoned us. But I love this. These guys were out there fishing and they weren't doing too good, but you know what? Jesus was a lot closer than what they knew he was. In fact, it tells us that Jesus was only about 300 feet away. As they were fishing, he was on the shore watching them fish. How many of you in your failure had felt like, you know, where is God? Failure has a way of making us feel we're alone. Failure has a way of making us feel like no one else knows what I'm going through. And you know what? No one else cares. Uh, failure has a way of isolating us. It has a way of blocking us from experiencing God's presence. And in the midst of our failure, we feel, we feel like, where is God? And does God really hear? And does God really care? And is God aware of what I'm going through? But I want you to tell you that even in your failure, God is closer than what you know. You see, he was right there watching them all the time, and they didn't even know it. Uh, they weren't aware of the presence of Jesus. And it says that after they had finished, they had fished all night. And here's the thing. By the way, let me tell you this. Uh, sometimes in your failure, when you failed spiritually, some people fail spiritually and decide that they're going to go back to what they used to do before because if they can't make it spiritually, they might as well go back and do what they did before. And a lot of people, when they go back to do what they did before, they can't do it as good as they did it before. Amen. The guy that's trying to follow Jesus and he blows it and he can't make it and he fails and he feels like he keeps sinning, he says, you know what, I I'm just going to go back what I knew before. I was a player before. <laughs> and you know what? He pulls out his old clothes again and, you know, starts getting that music going. And I still got it. You know, I'm this, you know, Jesus, all that stuff. You know, I can't be that. But, man, I'm a player. And he goes out to the old place again and he's got his walk and he's got his thing going. And I'm going to play the scene now. And you know what? He can't do it as good as he used to do it. And suddenly some, he, you know, you know He's a different guy. Something has changed. And he's out there all night and he's really going to be the player. And you know what? He ends up in some lonely corner of that bar downing another margarita because, you know, it's not working anymore. Because oftentimes when God has changed us and touched us, even when we've fallen, that we can never go back to who we used to be and be successful at it. It's like a balloon. When I was a kid, we used to have these contests to see who would blow the biggest balloon. And we'd take this little balloon and we'd blow it and blow it up and see who could blow the biggest without popping it. And once you let the air out of the balloon, it goes back to a smaller size, but it's never the same because it's been stretched. You see, once God has touched your life, once you've walked with God, once you've experienced the Holy Spirit in your life, once you've tasted of the grace of God and experienced the Word of God, hey, you can try to go back to who you were. You can try to act like it never happened. You can try to go back to 
this scenario you were involved in before, but it's never going to be the same. And Peter says, I'm just going to be a fisherman. I'm just going to fish all night, not one fish. You know, the worst thing you could ask a fisherman when he's been fishing for a while is, hey, and he has nothing, hey, how's the catch? I mean, as a boy, I used to go fishing, and I hated that question if I had no fish. If I caught fish, I loved people to ask me. I'd show off, hey, look what I got. Have you ever been fishing and people say, hey, how's the catch? Oh, you know, not, not. And you pull out this little bitty guy like this. This is all I got. Well, that's what happened here. The man on the shore, it says he called out to them. Jesus was on the shore about 300 feet away. They hadn't seen, and he said, friends, have you any fish? How's the catch? They said, no, they answered. And then Jesus said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. They'd been fishing on the left side of the boat. He said, throw it on the right side and you'll find some. Now, I don't know what conversation happened in that boat among those seven disciples. But I'm assuming that Peter, maybe in the beginning, tired from being up all night, would say, who's this guy? <laughs> throw it on the left side. I mean, the boat's only like 10 feet wide. Do you think there's going to be fish over there and not over here? But when you're desperate, you'll try anything. And maybe one of the disciples said, hey, let's just try it to see how it works out. Doesn't matter. And so they said that when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. They threw the net on that side. Suddenly they feel the tug of fish there, and it's getting heavy. And they say, I think we got something. Boy, it seems like it's a big one. And the Bible says later on that when they pulled up the nets, they had 153 fish. I mean, someone, they were fishermen for sure. They counted all of them. While the rest of them did the work and hauled in the fish and took the boat in, Simon Peter ran ahead. And I believe that this was one of the first moments that we can say that Peter really began to heal. Because instead of running to his failure, there was a switch, there was a moment, there was a time where Peter says, I'm not just going to stay here fishing, I'm running to Jesus. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job on Bold Steps, the beginning of a two-part message titled, Jesus Encounters a Shattered Heart. We'll continue with the final half of today's message on tomorrow's program, so make plans to join us. But until then, we encourage you to visit our website at boldstepsradio.org and check out some of the faith-building tools and opportunities we're offering our listeners. One resource we highly recommend is this month's Bold Step Gift. It's a book that offers practical help for building a healthy marriage. And Mark, why don't you tell us more about it? Joy is a gift from God, and it's meant to be one of the staples of a healthy marriage. But for many couples today, true joy seems to be a rare experience, separated by long periods of conflict and often disconnect. It's something that Dr. Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi call the joy gap. And if you want to know how to fix this common marital problem and reclaim your joy in marriage, I'd like to send you a copy of their book titled, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages. This practical resource offers daily exercises and helpful tips 
that will encourage you and your spouse to build the habits of bonding. No matter what your relationship looks like today, this insightful guide will help you unlock the relational skills needed to foster real and regular moments of joy. So reach out today and request your copy of The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages when you send a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. Thank you, Mark. To send your financial gift today, visit boldstepsradio.org or call us at 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also request your copy of The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages and give your gift through the mail. Address your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Once again, that's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And as we continue into this new year, we want to encourage you to start making an even bigger impact with your giving by becoming a Bold Partner. By signing up to give on a monthly basis with whatever amount you feel led to, you'll be helping to create the steady support we need to continue producing these radio programs and sharing the gospel across the globe. When you sign up to give $30 a month or more, you'll also get the Moody Publishers discount code of 50%. This will get you half off every devotional, Bible study, and kids book at the Moody Publishers website. Sign up to become a bold partner today at boldstepsradio.org or call 844-615-7363. Well, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message titled, Jesus Encounters a Shattered Heart. That's Thursday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.